Merry Christmas, Northbrook. Our reading today is Ruth, chapter 4. We'll read the whole chapter together. So again, Ruth, chapter 4. Now, Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and Mahon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers, from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. 
Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can have a seat. Merry Christmas again. Joy, thank you for reading that. Um, it, it, it's one of the, Ruth is, has been, man, one of those books that we literally could just read that and, and be encouraged in who God is and, and what he does for his people and, and how, uh, how, how much love, this holy hesed love uh, that he has and is defined by. Uh, and it's just been, it's been a really beautiful uh, advent going through this book. And so I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, so, so just to kind of recap a, a little bit of what happened. Um, in, in this story. So, so in last chapter, uh, uh, Boaz says, yes, I, I will redeem you. Uh, Ruth basically just kind of uh, says, hey, will you marry me? Kind of, she, will you cover me? Will you, uh, will you redeem? And, and he says, yes. And so uh, he's, he's going through this process. And, and in the Leveret Law uh, of that day, uh, we kind of read a little bit about that. You heard about the, the sandals and, and all of these things and that, that don't really make a lot of sense to us, but, but were very symbolic uh, back then. Uh, and, and it's hard for us sometimes to, to kind of wrestle with this because uh, we, we don't even know like who gave wh- whose sandal and and all of these things. But uh, but but the beautiful part of this story is the the process of redemption. It's the process of uh, something that is not redeemed then being redeemed. And it's a really beautiful thing. So this chapter kind of starts off with uh, Boaz saying, yes, I will do that, but we have to do things the right way. There's somebody else that's closer. There's a closer family member that, that could redeem. Uh, and, and so Boaz, being the noble man that he is, being the godly man that he is, we've seen that all through uh, the, the uh, last chapter as well, being the noble man that he is, uh, he, he says, let's do this the right way. So he goes to the gate and he, uh, he sits and, uh, and, and that's where he sees this other family member and, and kind of explains the situation. It's like, hey, here's, uh, here's the situation. Do you want to redeem? And this guy, we don't, we don't know much about him really at all. Uh, we certainly don't know his name because th- he's not the point of this. But, but what happens is uh, this guy says, yeah, I, I'll redeem that uh, because it's, it's a, a process of getting more land. There's, there's a monetary things involved here that are uh, financially wise. Um, And then when he says, hey, I will redeem, then Boaz says, oh, by the way, uh, it is a little more costly. There is a widow that you will inherit and you'll have to have sons to perpetuate the name. Because uh, again, back then, uh, it, it was a redeemer's job. It was the family's job to take in uh, widows and, and then continue their line for them. Uh, and, and so once this guy hears that, he's like, this is too costly of a redemption for me. And, and I want to be careful here because I, I don't want to kind of demonize this guy or, or anything because really what he's doing is he's making a financially wise decision right? It's a sensible decision because it's not only going to impede money and inheritance that he has, but it's going to cost him much, 
And so he makes the sensible decision. It's really similar, if you'll remember to chapter one, it's really similar to the sensible decision that, uh, that Orpah makes. Uh, whereas Ruth says, I'll go with you, Naomi, and Orpah says, I'm gonna go back to my people because I'll be able to find uh, probably another husband. I'll be able to live amongst my people. It, a very, again, sensible decision. And these decisions aren't necessarily sinful in themselves, but, but I would contend that they lack an act of faith. And so this guy passes, he says, I'm not going to do that. And so they, you know, swap shoes and all of that. And then Boaz marries Ruth. And, and then they share a bed together in that order. And the Lord blesses them with the baby. And oh, how much hope and joy is found in this baby how much hope that, that it'll continue. And, and not only do we see that, that there's redemption in this story, but we see that at the end, the genealogy, there is redemption for man. And so I, I just have a couple of things that I want to talk through, really three points uh, that I want to talk through in uh, this story really quickly. The first is that God's people do good. If, if we look at Boaz, again, a noble man. He, Boaz is a guy that recognizes the goodness of God to him, and, and then he therefore pushes that forward. He doesn't keep that goodness. He doesn't hoard that. He shares it and, and sends that forward, and in so doing, God's kingdom continues to move forward. And, and this was not an easy thing. Boaz is, is a noble man in a time where there were probably not a lot of noble men. Because just at the end of uh, the, the book, right before this, Judges, uh, it ends, the very last verse ends like this, Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Does that sound familiar? I, I don't know about you. Th this seems like a time where everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. Whatever's your truth, whatever makes sense to you, whatever feels good, whatever you think will bring you life, chase that. But Boaz is a noble man in a time where people did whatever they wanted. And he does what God does. Again, he followed the law regarding the closer redeemer. And then what's beautiful about that interaction that we see where that guy's like, it's too costly. Boaz is like, no, I'll do it. He enters in because it's a costly redemption. He chooses to redeem even though. And again, sometimes faith is not the sensible thing to do. Does that, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying there? Sometimes faith will make us do things that the culture and maybe even other believers will go, that's unwise, that's crazy. You should not do that. But sometimes faith is not the sensible decision. Sometimes using our funds in ways that people would say, well, that's, you shouldn't give money towards that or you shouldn't set aside this much to just give away unless you're going to get a tax break at the end of the year. It's not always the sensible thing to do, but it's the good, holy, righteous, redeemed thing to do. God has done that for his people and therefore his people do good. We adopt we participate in services and community. We help our neighbors. We give charitably. And on and on and on. 
This is what we do. This is what the believers of Jesus do. Not because we're awesome, but because our hearts have been so changed that we can then count everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ and to make him known. Believer, do good. And we know we can get all theological. We know that it's not good in and of ourselves. We can't be good. But Jesus has made you good. So we do good. That's our first point. Boaz foreshadows the goodness of Jesus. And then our next point. God fills what is empty. I love this in, in the beginning of Ruth in chapter 1. When Naomi is... She, she's living in, in this uh, foreign land. She's got her husband, got her two sons, and, and her husband died, Elimelech. And, and this is a tragedy, but in, again, in that culture, she's, she's still okay. Her sons will take her in. They'll care for her in her old age. She'll grow old and be protected there. But then what happens? Both of her sons die. She has lost everything. There's famine she lost her husband and her sons. There's no covering. There's no protection. There's no future hope. She's even lost her name in, in chapter 1, verse, uh, the, the uh, back half of verse 5. It says, both Malon and Killian died so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. She's, she feels like she's lost her name. And we see that when she moves back to Bethlehem. She, she changes her name. When she goes back in uh, chapter 1, uh, verse, let's see, we'll start in 20. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Don't, don't call me Naomi. This is not a pleasant situation. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. We see this picture that, that when they fled and, and, and because of the famine, they fled and, and they were there and she had her husband, she had her son, she had her daughters-in-law. She was full, her heart was full, things were going great. And then tragedy strikes and she feels empty. You ever feel that way? You ever feel empty? You ever feel like you've had things taken from you or, or maybe even kept from you? You just feel hopeless and helpless and faithless in a situation? Believer, your God is a God of hope. He is a God of restoration and he is a God of redemption. And, and sometimes what we can be tempted to in, in these kinds of stories, because we're going to see the, the physical redemption, we're going to see that even in, in her lifetime, in Naomi's lifetime, in Ruth's lifetime, but, but, but we're not promised that. We're not promised to see the redemption in this life. But oh, what we are promised, that one day all will be made well. Every wrong will be righted, and we will be redeemed. Believer, your God is a God of hope, restoration, and of redemption. And we see in chapter 4 that the Lord fills Naomi's hands. I love uh, that, that what the women say in chapter 4, in uh, verse 14, it says, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. 
They're talking to, these are the women talking to Naomi. They've not left you without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you, this is this boy, so much hope and joy found in this little baby boy. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to you. And then in verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap, and he became his nurse. She became his nurse. You see, her, her once empty hands lost her husband, lost both sons, just completely devoid of hope. Her hands are now filled with the promise with, with redemption. Her once empty hands are now holding this child who has restored her life and will nourish her, care for her in her old age. And for Ruth, there's so much, again, so much joy and so much hope found in this little baby named Obed because he's redeeming and restoring so much here for Naomi and for Ruth. And the beautiful part about this and the beautiful part about what we celebrate in Advent is that this baby, the hope and joy found in that baby is, is foreshadowing the hope and joy that we find in Jesus. That God sent us a redeemer born as a baby, a helpless little child. So much joy, so much hope in those hands. What we're celebrating this season, the, the coming of this baby that brings hope and restoration and redemption, not just to one family, but to all of God's children. God fills what is empty. And then our last point is that God's son is the greater redeemer. Again, we, we see that Boaz undertook a costly redemption, but, but Jesus undertakes the most costly redemption. Boaz pays with money, but Jesus paid for this redemption with his life. Obed, Obed, when he's born, he foreshadows Jesus by bringing hope into Naomi and Ruth's world. Jesus brings hope for the whole world. Obed, he's in the salvific line of the promised redeemer of God's people. Because, as we see at the end of this chapter, Obed grows up to be the father of Jesse, the father of David. Yes, that David. The, the promised line of David. And I love that we can go to, uh, I, I love, again, one that, that Ruth ends with this genealogy. First, it kind of starts with this genealogy of people that have died. And then it ends with this genealogy of a promise. And where that genealogy ends with David, I love that we can jump to Matthew 1 and we see uh, that, that there Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth and Obed the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of David as the king. And then we jump down a bit to verse 16. There's so many generations in between and it says this, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. This is, this is God's kindness to us. And, and the fact that we get to see this in Ruth, we get to see this hope found in this baby. And, and in this season where we are celebrating this hope found in this baby, it is God's kindness poured out on us. 
And we get to understand and feel that hope. And, and, and Ruth and Naomi, they went through this longing. They went through this period of suffering because it made that baby all the sweeter. They understood the cost of redemption because of what they walked through. And God sent his son. And, and we're in this season of waiting now after Jesus' first advent. We're in this season now of waiting. And I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels like the weather outside. Am I right? Yeah. But we have this promise. The, the fact that Jesus wrapped himself in flesh and came to us, we are full of hope and joy. But it, it doesn't stop there at the manger. As, as we just prayed earlier, our, our hope is not only found in the manger, but it's found in Jesus living the perfect life. The only human that has ever walked the face of this earth and never broken one of God's laws never sinned, never stole anything, never talked about anybody behind their back, never gossiped at work, never hurt anyone. It was lived the perfect life. Anybody else? No. But Jesus did. And, and the fact that he did that, and, and the fact that we can't do that, Regardless of our striving, regardless of our trying, how good that we can do, it's not good enough. Our, our sin is such an offense to God because God is so holy, because he's so beautiful, because he's so kind and loving, because he's so full of this hesed, holy love that we've been talking about. Our sin is so offensive to him that there has to be punishment and where we should receive that punishment is the birth of this little boy, full of hope and joy. He comes. He, he, he came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. And he's coming again. But our hope is not found just in that manger. Christmas is beautiful because Easter is coming. Jesus lived the perfect life that we could not. Jesus took our punishment. He stood in our place, believer. It, those, that, those whips should have been stri striking our back. We should have been nailed to that cross. We should be the ones hanging in shame being mocked, being tormented, beaten, scorned. We deserve that, but Jesus said, no, I will take that. But death didn't get the final word. And it won't get the final word when we die. If Jesus tarries, we will die. Spoiler alert. But it's not going to win. Jesus rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he's coming back. Oh, what hope is found in this baby boy that we are celebrating his birth. And what hope is found in our redemption through his life, burial, and resurrection. God's kindness 
to Naomi, to Ruth, to Boaz, and all of mankind, again, on display in this book and on display all through our lives. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your great plan of redemption. We thank you, Jesus, that you walked in obedience, that you uh, submitted yourself to the Father's will, that you subjected yourself to the horrors of this broken world, the horrors of the cross. Yet you loved unconditionally. You, you counted the glory of God as the most important thing to display. And so you came on a mission to rescue and to redeem. And so, Lord, as we hear about this little baby, Obed, that is born, that brings so much hope to Naomi and to Ruth, Lord, and as we celebrate tomorrow morning and as we give and receive gifts, there's this, there's this uh, joy, Lord, and there's this uh, excitement and electricity that we get to celebrate with, with friends and families and we get to show love by giving and uh, we, we get to receive as an act of, of practicing receiving the perfect and greatest gift that we could ever receive in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, would you would you inhabit our Sunday morning or our, our Monday morning as we celebrate Christmas? Would it, would it go beyond us? Would it stir up in us worship that doesn't terminate on whatever gift we get tomorrow, but that terminates on you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the ruler of all things seen and unseen. To you, O oh God, be glory and honor and majesty and praise forever and ever and ever. Amen.